Saturday, Sunday morning. Happy really Sunday morning. I'm starting to get uh, the hang of the, the time thing. So it's 12.01 here. Mr. Magoo has just left the office. He's looking at us. And what does it all mean? This is What Does It All Mean podcast. The perks of um, playing an instrument is you get to, you know, make your own intro to your own podcast. I just watched the uh, the new Bill and Ted's. That was good. That was good. I think the reason that uh, I, I actually started that was because of that movie and and, of course, the Beastie Boys, you know, so... I thought right about at the beginning of this, like, like you know, four minutes ago, I was thinking about how how uh, they inspired me to create music and pick up an instrument and not give a shit what people thought, you know, about me. As long as, you know, the Beastie Boys thought I was cool, I was cool. So we'll get in, into that in two a second, so... I want to get up into some updates. This is episode 10, season 2. Beastie Boys is the topic. I got some vaccination uh, updates. I feel 100%. I'm going to go. I've been vaccinated for two and a half months, almost three months. And and I was having uh, issues before. I was ill for, you know, if you guys have watched the previous podcast, I've been keeping it real a thousand percent on the vaccinations, but all I can say is I'm a hundred percent. I'm staying away from, uh, other, other, uh, variants too as well. I'm hearing like a yapping. Hold on. I have a new cat and I want to make sure everything is okay or it's outside or what I think it might be outside, but Animals first, podcast second. But anyways, so... Yes, 
with the with the vaccination, uh, I'm 100, percent and I'm kind of stoked that I have it now. And I've never had anything like that. Like, you know, I don't do vaccinations, but just now the anxiety's gone. I mask up in front of people. And to me, I don't think this is political at all. I think it's just like a, a way to get back to normal, you know? So uh, I'm not trying to preach any politics as I think both of them are, you know, two-headed snakes and they just kind of interconnect. But uh, as for that, I'm pretty good. So let's get to uh, the, the black hole situation. They just recently uh, had light detected coming back through a black hole. Okay, if you watch this previous previous episodes of the show, I, I said similar things. I said when we when the energy leaves our body, I feel that gravity pulls us in towards the black hole, and our atoms and our information that we've stored in the soul will be transcended into that black hole and depending on your karma depending on what you've learned depending on what you've done flip on the other side you'll see how it is you know so say if you were like you know a slave owner right you were a slave over in the 1800s and all of a sudden all of a sudden bam you're now the slave and i mean i don't want to think of this negative but i do believe in karma so and and say and vice versa and and i think it's all uh relative so the fact that they have detected light coming through a black hole i i guarantee that 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 is a that is a clue you know uh einstein was detecting all of that relativity through black holes and and i feel that that gravitational pull towards that black hole and i think that's where we go and so I think it's fascinating that we get to live in this time of discovery, you know, like, and at that point, it doesn't, like, I don't want to get too philosophical, but this is what does it all mean? And if there is light on the other side, that's where the rest of the people are. That's where are the rest of the energy, your grandparents, the people that you love other cats that you've lost, other animals that you've, other energies that you may have lost at one point, they're there, and we all know they're there, and that's why we get goosebumps when we talk about them, because that's the entanglement that we have with the people on the other side through the fucking black hole, and it's just like the waves, if you've ever been in the ocean, dive down deep, you feel the gravitational pull, and you feel one with that energy, that energy is all the same, you know? The energy that made me, the elements that made me, made the ocean, made the universe, made all that. And at that point, it's all interconnected. And so that's why I feel that we truly never die. It's just what we're trying to learn. And it doesn't discredit God. It just makes it even more crazier. And what is God? Something higher than us. And I don't know if it's ever meant to be truly figured out. I just think it's within all of us and depending on if you're an asshole or not, you know, but what is an asshole? So anyways, I don't want to get too, too deep. Um, I'm, I'm, oh, I see Robert here. I'm fully vaccinated by the way. Cause, uh, 
you, you tapped in. I'm fully vaccinated for two and a half months. Good to go. I had some complications before, uh, and I'm I I'm thousand percent stoked that I'm vaccinated. Like I had anxiety before because I had reactions to my body that were bad, but like it was it was temporary, like maybe two weeks. But that anxiety still fucks your head up. But it doesn't matter now. The anxiousness that I go outside. Now I just feel like I should put a mask on because I know that I'm not going to harm, I don't want to harm somebody else, you know? So I know that the chances of me getting harmed are very, very minuscule. So, but for the people that aren't vaccinated now or just to others, I feel like I have to put my mask on. So, uh, nothing travels through that, you know? So yes, uh, but I'm, I can't tell people to get, you know, I don't want to be, you know, if something goes tragically wrong on someone else's end, I don't want to be responsible for that. So use it your own discretion. But I feel personally, for me, it was the right decision. Uh, my mom has tons of, I don't want, my mom has tons of health effects, like problems. I wouldn't want her to necessarily get it because we don't know, you know, what happens. But then I also saw this guy on TikTok as well, who uh, he was just riddled with all kinds of shit. He was like 30 years old and this this guy he is he's stronger than i will ever be in a million years and and he he has all these like just crazy ailments and he got vaccinated and the only thing that saved him from dying recently was the vaccination the doctors totally said that they're like if you didn't get vaccinated all the other comorbidities would have taken you out and so the fact that i see this guy on tiktok like i follow him now like i'm stoked that he's alive and he just gives me fucking hope that like you know it's not always about the person like it's it's about all of us and if we can sustain like a peaceful environment for the next at least 100 years and just try to pull everyone together you know like a real team until the aliens pull up and they they, they say either yes or no you know what i'm saying yes or no both of your parents passed away from COVID this January. Man, in February. See, dude, I'll tell you, like, I, I actually had COVID. So I got COVID before anyone knew what it was. And and this is the real shit, man, because I started doing this podcast, like, for many reasons, but also documenting if, like, I was going to live or not. So when I, I got COVID in 2019 like around new year's and it was the worst feeling of my life like i couldn't breathe well um i went to the doctor they gave me all kinds of like they gave me like steroids and they gave me like an inhaler and they told me that you know um that i had an upper respiratory infection and it wasn't that it was it was covid and um and and i just was scared so, but I didn't think much about it because it wasn't COVID then, you know? So I just thought like something was wrong with me. I, I healed through it. Then time passes and now, uh, you know, um, I, I got the vaccination. It fucked me up because I think I had the COVID and uh, it doesn't matter. I still lived. So now when I'm out in public, I, I just feel that, you know, I'm because I'm around the public all the times because I'm uh, a UPS driver by day. So... I'm around people all the time and, and, and I feel that me just trying to wear my mask around people and, and, and keeping that six like foot distance, it's just the best that we can do, man. Like 
I can't even see my mom. I saw my mom recently and I felt guilty because I'm like, what if I got her sick and my mask wasn't on and I wasn't thinking because I thought that the, you know, the, uh, the vaccination would be okay with that. And that's now we're learning it's not. So everything is just changing like crazy. Yeah. You lose your taste, you lose everything. So even talking about it, it's giving me anxiety. So that's real talk. So I'm going to change the subject. As I say, do, do what you can in life to stay the fuck alive. I'm sorry to hear about your parents that that breaks my heart. I'm not like that breaks my heart. I get, you know, both of my parents are still alive. Thank God. And, and like, I don't know when I'm going to see my mom next because, you know, because of all of this and we don't know what's, what's, you know, okay. And it sucks. And I don't want to get, you know, crazy, but part of me, I, I made a post on Facebook like two years ago and it was like, wow, I, something to the effect was like, wow, like this, 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 this Wuhan lab, like this feels like it came from a lab, you know, and, and like a man-made biochemical weapon. That's what I felt like. Cause the way it spread so quickly and just fucking started taking everybody out. I'm like, that just seems like a man-made thing. That's something that like we use in war and somebody instantly attacked me. And it was one of my really good friends too. They were just like, dude, don't spread misinformation. Like when you do that, you're being an idiot and you're fucking up the whole thing. But at that point, like that was my gut instinct. I really felt like it came from a lab because I don't, uh, I, I've been learning more about viruses and pandemics and, and I see how they mutate and all this crazy shit happens. And uh, I think as long as we um, do our best to stay alive, that's really it. You know, I, 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 the, I just learned about the, the bluebonic plague that took out, you know, one third of all of humankind like on this planet, one third, think about that. If one third less of people on this planet weren't here, it would be fucking bonkers. And we don't want that. Like I want your parents to be here. I want my parents to be here. I don't want anyone to lose anyone. And it breaks my heart when we do. And man, that's why I got vaccinated because I was like, fuck, even if I die personally, at least I tried my best to try to keep the species alive. And I don't really feel that the government would lie to us so much that they'd want to kill us. You know, I mean, a part of me does because like, that's just that. But, but another part of me thinks like, dude, how could they possibly do that? You know, so the Spanish flu, like all this shit, it's so depressing, you know, and it's just crazy because the world has fucking changed. And before this. Like, dude, we're, it's gonna, just going to be like that. Remember before before the pandemic, and it's just true. And I, I, used, to play, I, I used to play music out in, in the world, and I don't even know if I'll ever feel comfortable again with that. I hope that I do. But as of now, I, I don't feel comfortable. I don't want to be outside. I don't want to be around people. I'm, that's why I do this podcast. I'm playing video games. I'm playing guitar from home. I, I'm trying to do my own things to stay away from people for as long as I can. So I feel that things are probably going to be like this for another two years and people don't understand it. But I think people that can think outside of the box and, and realize that I feel a lot of these people are out like living summer right now and they want this shit to happen. And, uh, 
because they've been cooped in for like a year and a half. But I don't think they realize this is once in a hundred years. And uh, it's a big fucking deal. And people are dying like crazy. And uh, that's why I hate where it becomes Republican, Democrat. Like, it's all, the it, this is health. You know, this is totally health. And, and that's where, like, a lot of these medical professionals, like, I believe in them because they're they're dealing with this firsthand. And when someone comes up to me and tells me, you know, I, I had someone mail me misinformation saying, you know, 50,000 people have died because of this and that. And it was all just, where do you get your facts from? Oh, naturesports.com. What the fuck is that? You know, give me, give me something more valid. So, and I know... It, that's the problem though this is the day of misinformation so uh some say something about extraterrestrial life too what do you want me to say about extraterrestrial life i'll tell you the truth they're definitely watching us thousand percent and and i feel that when we are about to pull the trigger on like say uh a nuclear war for example this is just my whole thing when they they they're watching us because they're these benevolent beings okay and they're 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 psychic beings they know what we're doing so as soon as we decide that we're going to blow something up and cause a gravitational rift in the universe and possibly end all space time and matter they they come here and they go oh no 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 and it's just a known thought uh, known fact that that there are all of these missile silos that have uh, nuclear uh, sites at the top of like basically Canada and and the U.S. There are all these nuclear sites, and you know alien craft have just come and shut that whole shit down, shut them all down. And so I feel that as soon as like we started really exploding, you know. Uh, when when we split the atom when we created the nuclear you know gravitational pull they felt that before that we were cavemen but as soon as we split the you know split the atom then all of a sudden the 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 ETs go oh shit they they have it they have the they have the match and now we need to make sure that they don't blow it and and I mean that in a whole like I feel that we're all interconnected and I feel that the the sake of the balance of the universe is very fragile on all levels. And I feel that there are people on different planets that are cavemen. And I feel people that are like a million to possibly a hundred million years past our, you know, existence. And I guarantee, you know, especially with all of this new, you know, information that the government's showing us, there's no way to hide it because the reason the government's showing this is because there's no way to hide it with all of our cameras. When every, every person's got a camera in their hand, you're going to catch these, these ETs. And if you notice, I, they're not really hurting us. So I feel like I said, they're these like benevolent creatures that are just way more advanced than us. And they're not dealing on this lower scale of thinking. And what I mean is this war, this racism, this, this not together oneness. And the more we're not together one, like, you know, once again, the ocean, I always go back to the ocean. If you've ever scuba dived and you're in the ocean and all of a sudden you see like a, a sea lion or a shark or something, they're not necessarily going to eat you because 
they're part of that cosmos. And if you're, you're relaxed, they're relaxed, they'll just float on by like you're just another part of this whole infinite world, uh, multiverse. And I feel that that's how planets are as well. They're, they're just inter, interweaving and, and on another scale, like galaxies are like that. And, and it, it, it's, it just, it all comes together. And I feel that definitely aliens and, and I don't like even to say aliens because it sounds so strange, but, but other creatures that have intelligence, they're out there. And, uh, I feel that to, to reach the point of a, a higher thinking, you, you get past the immature ways of thinking of, of, uh, war and, uh, you know, you'd have to come to peace if you wanted to succeed, you know? So I, I have a feeling that, uh, you know, the Mandela effect, I think you're crazy, uh, in astronomy, astronomy, real, yeah, well, good morning, Julia. Good morning, Julia. You know, I, I don't know. I don't really believe in uh, astronomy, so uh, astrology, so much. But uh, as a, for astronomy, you know, it is what it is. You know, the crazy ones are the ones that uh, are are the ones that are hard to be proven wrong, right? You know. So I, I'm not a scientist. I, you know, the whole reason I started the podcast is because I don't know. So if you happen to know you know, the secrets to the universe, please let me know. That's what I'm looking for. And the more that I learn every day, the more I grow. So I'm not claiming to know a goddamn thing. I feel the more that I speak, the less, you know, that's really, it's meaningful or meaningless. So anyways, let's get into the, the topic. Let's get into the topic. The Mandela effect. Has anyone heard of it? Is it something like when you kill your, uh, if you kill your, uh, your grandfather is it one of those like if you kill your grandfather you're gonna it's gonna keep going is it that one is it that one Robert Gabriel yes Paul Revere anyways okay so this is all about the Beastie Boys so I've loved the Beastie Boys for a long time I think the first time I ever listened to the Beastie Boys was like, honestly, I was so young. It was, it was, it was a fight for your right, you know, but I must've been eight around then. And uh, I thought they were awesome, but they were on MTV like crazy. They blew up by the time I was like 12. They were already like the biggest thing in the world. So... Okay, back to this. It's like a glitch in reality. Yeah. I haven't found any glitches lately, but 
I definitely think it's possible. You know, I definitely think it's possible. And especially when you start to get into uh, like interdimensional travel and stuff like that, then where, like if we get back to the aliens for a second, what if they've already discovered, you know, a way to travel faster than the speed of light and now they're able to reverse time and if you were able to reverse time and then wait a minute there's there's also uh like galaxies on top of us that are like almost upside down so their time is the opposite of ours so there is no like there is no right or wrong you know what i'm saying there there most definitely could be a glitch and i don't ever want to feel it you know because that would freak me out but I think, I think like the Matrix is uh, kind of like that as well. You know, like when you watch the Matrix, like what the fuck is real and what's not, and especially in these shells, you know? And I feel that like the one thing that freaks me the fuck out is the more you learn about the body, the more you learn about like what's inside of us, the more we are connected to these, these machines and we run like these machines. And, and is it us just kind, kind of replicating ourselves through technology or is you know kind of like the twilight zone and one day am i gonna just open up and see metal you know julie says i could meet you and be transported in a flash exactly you don't know pretty soon like anything's possible okay so let me let me talk about uh the beastie boys so let me get into this. We're having so much fun, you know, and I think that's what, what this is all about, you know? So I was lucky enough to go to the, to this, this, this book, uh, the Beastie Boys book tour, which is amazing. Uh, it was a couple years back. Uh, it was in Los Angeles. Uh, they had a couple, couple, you know, tour, a couple stops that we were in. We saw the Los Angeles show and, uh, I just watched the Apple documentary again to kind of refresh, and it was just so crazy. And uh, I'm gonna say this this po- this podcast is hard for me to do, and I think that's kind of why I I'm doing it because I don't like to talk about certain things, you know. Like the River Phoenix thing was like super hard for me to to talk about as well, and uh, the Beastie Boys are as well, and uh, I love them. I've loved them from such a, uh, a young age and they've been a part of my soul in so many ways that I'll get to that, that, you know, as we know, Adam Yao, he's no longer, you know, alive. And so the Beastie Boys no longer exist. And uh, it's still like, I'm in denial of that, you know, to me that that can't exist. How can that not be? And, and it's just some things can never be without like one one part of a, a a cosmic creation you know so MCA was my favorite but some facts Ad Rock he was born on my birthday my birthday is Halloween but he was uh, born 10 years before so he's 66 on Halloween and I'm 76 on Halloween. So, and it's funny because when I heard uh, one of the songs and he's like, 
he basically says, you know, this is my, this is my date of birth. I'm like, whoa, is he reading my mind right now? And uh, he sure wasn't. It was uh, just the fact that we had that in common. And sometimes I think that the things that we have in common with, uh, with people are what make us strong. And so, yes. I like to have things in common with people. So the reason I started this with uh, with me playing guitar is because when I was young, I just felt like I didn't really fit in. And, you know, I wanted to be something that I wasn't. And, and when I see, or maybe something that I was, and when I saw somebody like the Beastie Boys just going like, totally wilding out on some shit like to the point where it was just a whole other level you know like looking at these characters and them being so young and I, it turned me on to the point where I wanted to learn how to play guitar and learn how to play the bass and learn how to play the drums like that really came from the Beastie Boys and, and, and all the things that encompassed be, be behind that you know and that was the cool thing like the, the Beastie Boys brought so many things to to music, but I'll, I'll break down just like uh, like a little history, you know, like they, their first track they put together was like Cookie Puss, you know, and Cookie Puss is kind of like this funny track, but it, it it caught it caught attention, you know, it caught like some serious attention, and they started sp like spinning it in clubs, and uh, it blew up, and and then like Rick Rubin. He was starting with Def Jam's, uh, Def Jam Records, and with Russell Simmons, and they basically hooked up the Beastie Boys, and they started to blow up. Uh, I, I I coincidentally saw Rick Rubin at the the Chili Peppers Mansion or Lucky Luciano's Mansion, and my friend Sean, he was with me, and I'll never forget it. We were leaving this this you know place, and I saw Rick Rubin just in the. Uh, in his like Escalade sitting with Anthony Kiedis and I, I looked at Sean and I go look there's there's Rick Rubin and I saw Anthony and I love Anthony but like to me seeing Rick Rubin is like seeing a, a unicorn you know it's like seeing a unicorn and, and and Sean knew too so Sean's like where he wanted to see the unicorn so he he went over to the Escalade and he looked right into Anthony Kiedis face and he didn't realize it was Anthony Kiedis and then he looked right at Rick Rubin and, and he didn't realize that it was Rick Rubin because it's just like kind of sometimes shocking. And then then they looked at me because he looked back at them and then I just pointed right at him like, dude, that's them. And then he looked up and he it finally dawned on him. It was uh it was both of those those cats and then he like started laughing and we all started laughing. But Rick Rubin seemed super cool from afar. I didn't get to talk to him, but he seemed super cool from afar. And he is super cool. He's made some of the best music on the on the planet, you know, and produced a Johnny Cash album. Come on, that stuff is just priceless. Not to mention everything with Def Jam and Peppers and everything in between. So, anyways, uh, Rick Rubin blows blows them up. Um, Russell Simmons. This is so random. I saw Russell Simmons maybe three years ago driving in this. He wasn't driving, but someone was driving him, and he was in this really fancy Mercedes, and he was just texting, and I looked over, and I was like, that's Russell Simmons, and he looked at me like he knew that I knew, and just kept driving. Uh, so anyways, uh, the Beastie Boys, they started to, uh, 
go on tour with like Run DMC and that's where they started to blow up. Uh, and then all of a sudden Fight For Your Right happened and they turned into that party band. This is just a simple little, you know, little, little history. And after that, everything, they, they just, they, they became the Beastie Boys. You know, uh, I, I, sh short little thing. They, they were doing that Fight For Your Right. Uh, they were these party boys for a while, but then I think it just got stale and then they wanted to make their own music. And then MCA, I really started to push the envelope and create these different beats and, and create this whole different musical platform that just started its own thing. And um, that's where you had the OG Beastie Boys. And when we were growing up in the 90s, I remember uh, I'd, I've seen them so many times, uh, but I, I remember this flyer back in high school and it was for Rage Against the Machine, and they were playing at El Club Nuevo in Santa Ana, and uh, 1992, and, and the headline was like, like sounds like the Beastie Boys and somebody else, but I, I remember sounds like the Beastie Boys, and I'm like, if, if anything sounds like the Beastie Boys, I'm going, and I clearly remember going to this Battle of the Bands, horrible bands, like there must have been 10 of them, and by the time, um, by the time Rage Against the Machine started, uh, I actually had a friend that introduced me to Zach and I wanted to leave because there was too many, too many bad bands. And Zach De La Rocha was like, Hey, just stay and watch. And as soon as I heard bomb track go off, I was like, what the hell is that? And it did, did sound like the beastie boys, but it also sounded like something completely new. And that was this new genre of music. And I feel like this alternative, do whatever the fuck you want, as long as it sounds dope, do it. That that's what started to happen, and that's where that's what the alternative sound was. And you know, you follow that that instinct of what's real and what's not. And so at the time, seeing Rage, they were awesome, and and seeing the Beastie Boys, they were just raw talent the whole time that I'd ever seen them. They were never boring. They were actually. It, I, I can't I, see I, I saw them I think seven times and I I, I can remember just the energy and, and just Mixmaster Mike in the background and, and times when Q-Tip would come up and just different just, anyways okay so so I'm going to talk about basically the, the Tibetan Freedom concert uh, by the time like 96 came along like they, they they blew up so big that they started doing the tibetan freedom concert and uh at that point i was at the prime age to go witness these things and so i went to san francisco and i uh just started immersing myself into this new culture of like live music uh at, at Buddhist monks, you know, there were the Buddhist monks up on stage chanting, uh, Buddhist monks all through the, through the, the, the crowd, uh, and then the information about, you know, the Tibetan people being invaded by the Chinese and how the Dalai Lama had to flee, uh, Tibet to move to India because they were going to kill him. And, uh... I was young, I knew about the Dalai Lama, but at this point I was really introduced to it. And, and I remember, I'm not sure if it was MCA, but 
it might have been Ad Rock that said, you know, let's let's take a a, a stance and and not buy Chinese for like a month and see what will happen, how it'll affect the market, and show them like as an economic slap in the face, you know, what we'll do if you don't leave Dalai Lama alone. And I thought that was so awesome that of course I, I didn't I didn't buy Chinese, and and I'm not trying to be racist at all, but. When it comes to something like that, when you're this big country and you're trying to wipe out Tibet for what their their religious beliefs and what they believe in, it doesn't make sense to me. You know, everyone should have religious freedom and do whatever they want. So I got educated, and uh, then I found out about like the Free Tibet movement. All the while, like getting to see rad music. And some of the lineup to these Tibetan Freedom concerts, I went to two of them. There was like 96 in San Francisco, 97 in, in uh, New York. I was young. I was so young at this point. I was like 18 or something, 19, going to these, going to New York on a plane, just flying out there to, to see some of these acts, like Porno for Pyros. I went to New York to see Porno for Pyros. They're they my favorite band at the time, still are. And... Uh, it was such a huge event, like a hundred thousand people there, that uh, by the time we figured out the porno for Pyros is on, I missed them for like 35 minutes, and we just flew like thousands of miles, and I got to see, you know, 15 minutes of it. But it, it didn't matter because it was the whole vibe of the place. It was so peaceful. There was like Radiohead. Oh, there was Biz Marquis who just passed away. He played at like both of them. The Biz was there. Uh, Richie Havens. I can't like I'm I'm having this like totally now 90s nostalgia because like not only did I see the Beastie Boys, I saw Richie Havens, uh, Rage Against the Machine. Like I said, Smashing Pumpkins, Foo Fighters, Tribe Called Quest, Beck, Chibo Mato with Sean Lennon, and and when I saw when I saw that Sean was very young. I was young, and I was looking at this guy, and I'm like, dude. He's got such a like. He's got such a a name on his back that people are gonna instantly judge him, and I was like, that sucks, you know, because I know what it likes to like to be judged, you know. I hate to be judged, and and he just came out there with with that band, and and Sean just crushed it even then, and I just saw him as himself, and he didn't give a shit, and I was like, dude, I want to play music like Sean. And uh, I know everybody is like, dude, I want to play music like the Beatles, you know, but me, like, I got inspired by the Tibetan Freedom Concert because I was there. And also Lollapalooza. I was, like, all of these concerts are similar, but I, I feel that the Tibetan Freedom Concerts took off a life of their own and really started to affect social consciousness in a, in a good way for the Tibetan people and bring bringing uh, a topic to the table you know because then you get Richard Gere you get all these people talking about how you know the Dalai Lama and the Tibetan people are getting a raw deal so thank you Julia so a uh, quick story I remember the Beastie Boys performing and it was like a hundred thousand people wanted to be in one spot at one time. And I think this was in San Francisco and people were on blankets, they were eating. And all of a sudden it's the Beastie Boys started like sabotage comes on 
and it's just pure pandemonium. And people were getting squished, it was getting dangerous, and then the Beastie Boys just stopped. They stopped the show, and they were like, like, if you guys seriously don't move back and chill out, we're gonna leave. And they were serious, and everybody just stopped, and, and I remember that I was, it was so dangerous that we collapsed. Like the whole pits collapsed and people were just like kind of crushing one another. And uh, you had to, like I was just probably for like a minute or two, just like laying on top of somebody, someone was laying on top of me. And then after a while, someone pulled that person up and then they pulled me up and then I pulled the person up and it was just madness. But uh, it was insane, you know? So I learned so much at that point that it, it changed my, my, it changed who I am to this day, you know? And uh, for you, Julia, Noel Gallagher played. I like, it's crazy that I forget this stuff, but it was like, so for me, this was like 25 years ago or something. Like it was a long time ago. And uh, yeah, Noel Gallagher played Radiohead. And I remember someone looking at me saying, you know, Tom York, that guy's so, uh, that guy is so, uh, sick that he's gonna die you know and I was like what they, they told me they had cancer and I was like no way and uh and so I really got into it and I didn't really know who um who uh who who Tom York I mean I knew who radio was Radiohead was but I didn't uh I didn't like now I'm obsessed with them now I love them and I'm, I'm not being you know weird about I love Radiohead you know my favorite album is is uh, King of Limbs uh which is not people's favorite that's mine uh Tom York's new Anima album is amazing I listen to that a million times a day but so so yeah the Tibetan Freedom concert really kind of changed the way that that I grew up these, these festivals created a whole culture of people. Uh, I remember in New York, it was so relaxed that and cold that I went near a generator and uh, I'm sitting next to a generator and I'm, I see my friend, my friend Mike's with me and all of a sudden we see Michael Stipe just walk by out of this side gate and we're like whoa what's that about he just walked by he kind of smiled at us and kept walking and i was like dude that was michael stipe and uh then i see q-tip from tribe called quest with some guy having a microphone up to his his mouth and q-tip does not look like he's having fun so i look at my friend mike and i'm like hey uh i'm gonna go like that's your favorite guy right there that's q-tip and he's like no it's not dude it's not and i go i promise you that's q-tip let's go and my friend was in denial so and this is the same friend that forced me to go like talk to perry like twice in one day at Lollapalooza. so i i wanted to get him back so i i i go no it's q-tip i run up to to q-tip and he's got this this uh his hood on like this and this dude's interviewing him, and I and I go like, excuse me, like Mr. Tip. I said that I'm all Mr. Tip, and he looked at me, and I'm all, I'm all. He's all, hey, what's up? And I go, 
my friend doesn't believe it's you. And then, and then he's like, where's your friend? And I go, like I pointed, you know, and then he looks up and then Q-Tip just waved at my friend and then he kept going. It was really cool. So, um, Q-Tip is legit. He was so nice. He's from Tribe Called Quest. Um, so it's just interesting, you know, it was awesome being around that, you know, it really was like seeing it firsthand, seeing the Beastie Boys so many times. I saw them open up for L7 uh, in Irvine Meadows. And I remember being this young punk rock kid and I had my three whole Doc Martin steel toes and I was in the pit and the Beastie Boys just started. I lost my, my three whole Doc and I couldn't stand anymore because it was so dangerous in the pit that you just, and, and since I was on top of the pit, I lost my, my ticket stuff that fell out of my pocket. So I had to run out of the, the, I ran out of the pit, went up to the outside of the security. And as soon as I tried to go back in, the guy's like, where's your ticket? And I was like, I don't have my ticket. So I get to, I got to not see the rest of the Beastie Boys, but these are all adventures in music. And I feel that these guys were so creative that uh that inspired me and i think that's the point the things that they did with music the things how they they broke cultural you know barriers you know these three you know white boys from like new york basically just just doing whatever the hell they wanted to do and and embracing the hip-hop culture and becoming huge and i i really I, you know, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't have Eminem, you know, Eminem's album cover recently was a total tribute to the, to the Beastie Boys. And, uh, it, they're just amazing. They, they, they're truly amazing. And it breaks my heart that we'll never hear them perform again. You know, it's like, it's like you never get to see Jimi Hendrix again. You never get to see, you know, Led, Led Zeppelin again. You really won't. You can see a version of, of something like that, but it'll never be. So these concerts, these times, and these places, these people, Adam Yauk, MC, you know, friggin' Ad-Rock, Mike D, these, these people, they, they're like, they're, they're us, and they're you, and coming together to see them was, was truly awesome, and it, 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 it breaks my heart that, uh, you know, but if we get back into the whole multiverse stuff, Maybe we can be hanging out with Adam, you know, on the different, when we go through that, that gate of the, uh, gate of the black hole. And that's what gives me hope. He's just on the other side. He made it quicker, you know, and I had a near death experience recently with the vaccination stuff. And I was in the hospital. I thought I was going to die. And I honestly thought, you know what? Well, dude, my hero's on the other side. And I really meant that. Like, I'm like, my fucking heroes are on the other side, so I have nothing to to fear, you know? And I'm not trying to be generic. I'm not trying to be weird. But when I felt like I was faced with mortality in the hospital, I was like, I'm now going to become one with the, the people that I lost. And to me, like, there's no, like, it's not so bad that, at that point. Like, if I can now be one with, like, my grandparents and, you know, with, like, the people that I've lost people that mean you know a lot to me it's not so bad and, and trying to, to cling on to life I totally do that I want to be here a million percent but when I see the other side when I'm like oh man I could things could go bad 
You know, I, I still don't think leaving this particular body is gonna be as bad. And uh, maybe I'd have more anxiety if all my friends were still alive and all the people that I looked up to were all still alive. But uh, I feel that this universe is, is filled with like more positivity than negativity. And I think that's the inner struggle. And I feel that like, it's almost like, you know, a big veil. You know, you have this darkness covering the light and I feel the light is just the reflection of the other side. You know, you, you flip, what happens when you flip the, the switch and all of a sudden the light becomes the black and all of a sudden we get Adam back, you know? So, or we go there. But my point is, we're all connected and we never lose anybody and we're all one. And uh, I learned this through going to stupid concerts and, and uh, watching live music and, and people just squiggling, you know, like Julie with her Richard Ashcroft, you know, same thing. You can find, you can find religion, you can find spirituality in squiggly air. And you really can, and, and people's emotions coming through this cosmic energy, you know, because that's really, that's why we're there. We're there to, to look at these people and, and see them express the human experience. And when I got to see the Beastie Boys express their human experience, it was, there was nothing better. And, uh, yeah, even with their, all their funny shit, you know, like, like I'm wearing a Nathaniel Hornblower shirt, you know, and he, he busted onto the to the uh, set of the MTV thing and he just started talking about how Spike Jones should have won, you know, the MTV Music Award or whatever, or it, they were just, he was, they were so creative. And I feel a lot of uh, things these days are less creative. And I feel that people are just rehashing, you know, the old. And there's nothing wrong with that. The old is good, but I like to see new, new creations as well. You know, so, yeah. You know what's funny? I was scared to do this one because like when you love something and you, you freaking care about it a lot, you feel like you're gonna fuck it up. I don't think I fucked it up that much. I'll, I'll just give some more like random ass facts. So Elvis Costello uh, was banned from um, Saturday Night Live because he, I don't know what he did. He just pissed off Lauren Michaels. So, uh, Beastie Boys, they come up on to, uh, to Saturday Night Live, they're gonna play, and I think they're gonna start Sabotage, and they just, they're like, they stop it. And then all of a sudden, Elvis Costello busts up on a stage, he's not supposed to be there, and they, they play, like, his big hit song. And it is so awesome. And they just, they, they broke the rules. You know, that wasn't supposed to happen. And, uh, that, that's just, they were always breaking the rules. Uh, and... I didn't know, like, I, I didn't know this is w what the Beastie Boys meant, but it's, the actual official name is Boys Entering Arcanic, Ar Boys Entering Arcanic, or I can't even say it, Ar oh, oh, fuck it, <laughs> what's that, Anarchy, the Anarchy word, Boys Entering Arcanic States Towards Inter-Excellent. I can't say the word, but get me. But my point is they were totally creating 
And, and I, like I said, I was lucky enough to go see the, uh, the book tour and I got to see them like seven times, Tibetan freedom concerts. Uh, I actually have a free Tibet sign up there still hidden behind my door. Uh, when I play on stage, I, I take that with me even now. So they, they completely changed me as a human being. I'm comfortable to play up on stage because that was the culture that I was, you know, around and, and seeing that, you know, people playing music can actually change the outcomes of uh, development of human beings and, and in positive ways is, is really, you know, it's cool, you know, so I miss Adam. I miss the Beastie Boys. The book tour was like, it really was like them saying goodbye. And it was like, it was heavy. It was really heavy. So, but it was really cool. It was, it was just something different. So, anyways, thank you, Julia. One day I'll play again. One day I'll play again. Um, that's the one of the things I, I, I wanted to play. Like I started playing music to think maybe one day I would get to, to jam with Adam Yauch. You know, he he really, like I said, he was my favorite, favorite Beastie Boy. He would, he, to me, he was just like, he was so centered and, and so just like out of control at the same time and so focused and, and such a great fucking spirit inside of him. That the reason it's hard for me to, to think about this and to deal with the BC boys is because like I, that kind of loss is like, dude, you're losing like a fucking brother, you know? And, and it breaks my, it fucking still hurts every day. You would think it's happened. He's been gone so long, but it doesn't matter. He, he, I think about him constantly and I know, it, you know, a lot of people do. And so it's not fair. The point is maybe He's flipping through on the other side of the uh, the cosmos, and he's making beats right now. So hopefully he's making beats on the other side. And and to the other to MCA and and you know Ad Rock, they're fucking they they're awesome. You know I guarantee they'll probably have you know remixes of their older stuff that will come out for the rest of time. Their their music is just embedded with the culture forever. And we're lucky with that. So. Well, I think that's all I got. I think that's all I got. <laughs> How do you say it, Julia? Like anarchic? That's it. Maybe that's it. Anarchic? Anarchic? You're amazing. You're amazing. Hopefully, James Jeffrey will be on social media soon. All right. I miss him dearly. Thank you guys for listening to the show. 
If you guys have any questions, let me know. I got like two more minutes. That time always goes by so fast. And I totally forgot that like, I saw the Foo Fighters, like <laughs> that blows my mind. Like when you go to these festivals, you see so many people that you, you I, I saw Lee Scratch Perry. He's the person that like, that taught Bob Marley how to sing. And I remember these hippies were talking to him and they were like, like, what's the secret? What's the secret of life, man? And, and he's like, treat your women like gold. He's like, in America, they don't treat their women right. He's like, in, in Africa, we treat them like like gold. And then they were like, yeah. And I was standing right there. He's like, yeah, Rastafari. This is the guy that taught Bob Marley how to friggin' sing. And that was what was cool about, you know, these things. So, I, I, I can't wait. I, I, don't, I can't go to concerts right now, like I said. Uh, eventually, I will. But right now... I'm staying away until things get back to normal, you know, but once things get back to normal, hopefully I'll get back to concert life. I think one of my favorites that I would like is uh, looking down the barrel of a gun. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just deep. I don't know why. It's, uh, I just like the beat. I like the, uh, the lyrics. They're just, yes. they were, they were innovative. And, okay, here's real truth since it's at the end of the show and this is where I'm getting tired. I, I try to write lyrics like in the style of hip hop and I was in a relationship with this chick, she found them in the garage and she's like, whose lyrics are these? Who do you think you are, Eminem? Man, she was a spirit crusher, wasn't she? <laughs> Straight up, that's what she said. Who do you think you are, Eminem? And she ever sees this? There you go. But anyways. Beastie Boys owned Nathaniel Hornblower for life, MCA, Mike D, Ad Rock, Mixmaster Mike, all those cats. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. There's also uh, Kathleen Hanna. She's, uh, she's married to uh, Ad Rock, and she does this thing called Tease for Go. I think it is. I'll, I'll put a link on it later. And she does all these really cool t-shirts and they're all for uh, a good cause. So they're rad. Kathleen Hanna's pretty dope. Anyways, all right, guys. I'm out of here. Thank you for listening. Have a great Sunday and the rest of your week. This is What Does It All Mean Podcast. Beastie Boys forever.